Well, hello, this is Ted Johnson with the Fish on Ted podcast, where we talk about the business of hunting and fishing. This is Ted Johnson with the Fish on Ted podcast, and uh, today we have got a terrific guest. Um, it's uh, Dale Tripp with uh, the Brandy Ellen Sport Fishing Charters in Massachusetts, and without stealing a lot of his thunder, I think I've got Dale on the line. Do I not? Are you there, there Dale? Yes. Good morning, Ted. Uh, well, good morning. I understand... Uh, from uh, just chatting with you a little bit earlier, it's still uh, snowing in your part of the world. Yeah, not much. It's just kind of a dusting. Is that right? Well, we, yeah, we have to call it. This time of the year, we have to call it white poor man's fertilizer. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, well Dale, um, for our listeners out there, why don't you give us a little uh, introduction of yourself and your background and, and uh, a little bit about your business? Yes, uh, born and raised in Vermont, next to the Canadian border. Uh -huh. uh, with my family and I moved to Massachusetts. I was, uh, I guess, I was in the eighth grade. Spent my schooling in uh, Massachusetts. Went to vocational school in high school. When I got out of there, I couldn't go to school. Uh, we went right, right to work, tool and die shop. Oh really? And I worked at tool and yeah, yeah, I worked in a tool and die shop for quite a while and then after that I kinda got a little bit of a graduation, I guess you'd call it. I went to, I was a manufacturing engineer, simplex time recorder for quite a few years and yeah. a couple of other places. I was a uh, design engineer, did a little architectural designing in, in between there too and then Decided, uh, ran into a friend of mine at uh, one of the places I worked, I was working at, and he used to fish Cape Cod, and he told me that he'd go down there and fish and get paid to fish, and sell the fish, and that seemed uh, like a pretty good idea to me, so yeah, I good. started doing that. Yeah, I worked out pretty good, too. Uh, went down there and took my family down, did some camping. Started off in a, just a tent, and uh -huh. my wife and my daughter, and uh, that worked out pretty good. I enjoyed that, caught the heck out of the fish, and we used to get a, a slip, bring them in to the market, and we'd get a slip, and yeah. come back the following weekend, and you'd get paid for the fish you caught the week before, you know, so that seemed like a pretty good idea, and yes, did that for do. quite a few years. Yeah, and then uh, decided that we liked the Cape awfully well and decided that would be a good place to build a house. So we liked Chatham mm -hmm. as opposed to some of the other towns. And uh, that's when we decided to buy a piece of land and build a house. And this is where we landed. Wow. Right nice and close to the fish. Oh, terrific. Now, what year was that, Dale? That was, uh, we moved here in 1984, Ted. Oh, did you really? Okay. Okay. Very yep. good. So when, when did you transition to charter fishing then? Oh, I'm going to say, I've been at it for, 
probably 1995 to 96, 97, something like that. Yeah. Just started off kind of without, just kind of ad-libbed it a little bit, and then went and got a license and took the captain's course, passed that without too much problem, and uh, then we started doing it legally, (laughs) if you want to call it that. Well, been doing good. it ever since. Oh, terrific! So, so from ninety, from, from what do you say, eighty four to ninety five, were you were you sport, uh, were you uh, commercial fishing full time then? No, I was just on weekends because I was still working off Cape and uh, uh-huh. work all week. And my wife was did a real fine job of getting us ready to go. And Friday afternoons we'd head for the Cape. Set up our tent, fish, and uh, Saturdays, and then good good part of the day, and then fish Sunday morning until close to noon. And as long as we crossed the bridge before one o'clock in the afternoon, the traffic wasn't too bad, and yeah. we did that until 1984, I guess. And, wow! Uh, had a house built, and we just moved right in. Oh, that's terrific. Worked out good. Yeah, sounds like it. And so then you um, uh, uh, purchased or uh, uh, named the brand Yellen in 1995. Is that what you're you're saying? Yeah, well, I had a boat long before that, uh, two or three boats during the course of this little episode that we're talking about here. But anyways, uh, we uh, ended up with... A big 23-foot aluminum boat, and uh, we named that the Brandy Allen. This is my daughter's name. Oh, uh-huh. uh, before that, before that, I had a smaller boat. And it was a, I, it was a name on the back of it called Bass Hawk. I named it Bass Hawk. And, oh, okay. Uh, good, good many of the fishermen around here didn't know my name, but they knew my boat. Whenever they spoke to me, I was. <laughs> That was a, that was my name, Bass Hawk, for people that didn't even know my name. Oh no, kidding! So, I'll be nice. Yeah, we went we went with that for quite a while, and then now we're we're pretty much known as Brandy yeah. Owen and and the trip, you know. But. Oh yeah, yeah, I'll be darned. So um, it 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 sounds like you do uh, a lot of inshore. Do you do much offshore fishing also, Dip? Uh, in the past. Four years, three, four years, I haven't done hardly any uh, offshore fishing, but uh, I do occasionally do a tuna charter yeah. and a shark charter, and that's pretty primarily offshore. But uh, in the last, before the before the last four or five years, I I did a lot of cod fishing. Did that in the winter time, and after my charters were done in the fall and stuff like that. Uh huh. In between, I threw in a little deer hunting and uh, that uh, cod fishing has pretty much gone away now. So yeah. We don't do that anymore. It's pretty much a waste of time. And mm-hmm. You can still catch cod, but they're so far offshore now that I I don't want to reach them with my boat. It, you know, you guys are running 50 miles oh with my. bigger boats, you know. Yeah, that's a long so, way out there, isn't it? Yeah, that's too far. To yeah, be taking a chance, you know. I, I don't blame you. So, in in regards, we're trying to, to be safe. 
Yeah. In regards to the charters now, what, what are you fishing for? Right now, it's uh, primarily striped bass, mm -hmm. but uh, there's a lot of bluefish thrown in there, and occasionally we do uh, try for some smaller fish called scup. It's the name of them, and uh, a lot of people call them porgies around here. And, and the black sea bass is a, a, another fish that we fish for. Uh -huh. Maybe the best seeding fish of all the ones we're talking about. They're awfully good. Really? But, uh, I remember yeah. you telling me that you uh, uh, had just tried them just a few years ago, and that's become one of your favorite fish, huh? Yeah. It, uh, I hadn't eaten one up until, I guess, three years ago, something like that, and everybody kept telling me how good they were. And I used to just give them away or whatever, and decided to try one one day. Now, I, I guess maybe they're my favorite fish to eat. They meant oh, flounders. And the flounders, yeah. Yeah, I'll be doing uh, we don't do any flounder. We don't do any flounder fishing. The seals just got them pretty well thinned out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the seals are uh, are prevalent out there. So you, your, um, your background in striper fishing, I mean, it, uh, you've not only uh, fished for them on, on charters, but you also have um, uh, entered and won a number of tournaments in your area, haven't you? Yeah, there used to be a, a tournament called the Canal Tournament. Uh, I guess it was the, called the Canal Tournament because the, the people who started it, I think, were uh, primarily fishing out of the canal, but as it, as it moved along after a couple of years, they decided that uh, they would allow people to fish anywhere that they wanted to and that even included other states and uh, at the time I first started entering it it was probably 800 seven or eight hundred people in the tournament in one during one year you know and That's I was amazing. fortunate enough to win that once with a fish that was weighed 48 pounds striped bass and then I missed a year and then the following four years I uh, happened to win it again, so really, it was it was fun and quite rewarding monetarily. <laughs> I'll bet so. Well, and I'll bet it. I'll bet it helped your bookings on your on your boat too, didn't it? Well, I think that people like to see that, you know, and it, it is on my website, and uh, huh. that's. I think people are impressed by that. Absolutely, they are. You know, Dale, I, I know our, our audience is out there uh, trying to do some math real quick in, in regards to you getting into the commercial fishing business in 1984 and then uh, starting your charter business in, in 95. Um, I, I, we, I, I think it would be appropriate to tell the audience how old you are. How old are you, Dale? Older than dirt, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be... I'll be 82 this year. That is, that is uh, tremendous. People don't seem to believe that, but uh, very fortunate to have good health and uh, able to get around pretty darn good and must be must be able to get around pretty good because I'm still climbing trees and doing whatever I want, you know, I'm deer hunting and all that. Good for you, man. You made a, you misspoke a little bit on on uh, the 1984 thing. I did start fishing stripers down here in, in 73. That's oh, when we really started. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Wow. 
and I, I first got down here commercially for them until 1984. We moved here, and then uh, we started fishing down here and working during the off season on pounding nails or in the machine trade. I was in the machine trade most of my life, so yeah. that was my background there. Wow, that's terrific, man! Congratulations on a great, great career, and, and you're not stopping, uh, not stopping yet, are you? No, no, it's, uh, people ask me on a chart occasionally that how much more you're going to do this. And I tell them, well, when it becomes work, I don't want it to become work. I want it to enjoy the people and have a good time out there. And when it becomes work and my body won't let me do it anymore, then we'll do something else. But there you right go. now, it's fun. It's fun, oh. and uh, the people seem to enjoy it. A absolutely. A absolutely. So, so what have you? I mean, over over the years that you've been fishing uh, out of Massachusetts and Cape Cod, what 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 are some of the changes that you've seen over the last, you know, gosh, fifty years? Well, like I said, we started fishing here in in nineteen seventy three, and of course, I had a smaller boat, so and I didn't have the the experience to go other places. I only went where my friend started me off fishing and that was right in Pleasant Bay, uh -huh. right in Chatham. So I only had a 14 foot boat, so I pretty much stayed in there. And uh, that's when you could catch fish and legally keep them and they were 16 inches. And uh, we caught an awful lot of, an awful lot of fish that were 16 plus and you could, you could sell them in the market then. Mm -hmm. And that worked out real good, and then uh, when you graduated to another, we graduated to another boat, you know, uh, a little bigger. Of course, every time you buy another boat, you have got to buy a bigger one, of course, because of course. they all get small after a little while. Yeah, and that allows you to get out different places, and uh, you see, when when the seventies ended, noticeably, noticeably. The fishing got uh, poorer because uh, it was just, I don't know if it was cyclic or if, if we were catching too many of them or if it was a cycle that the fish get into, but it all depends who you ask, I guess. If you ask the biologists, they'll mm -hmm. talk about different things and different biologists talk about different things also, even among themselves, you know. Yeah. But uh in the late 70s, that was, seemed to be right around the worst time. And then they put a uh, moratorium on the on the small fish, and you weren't allowed to keep anything unless it was 36 inches or over. Oh, wow. Okay. And so so we threw back an awful lot of fish, oh. bit the bullet, and uh, it hurt, you know, but when you're throwing back a fish that's 35 inches long, something like that, and it weighs 18 pounds, it's a nice big fat fish. It, it's, it hurts, you know, but mm -hmm. we bit the bullet and uh, the fish started coming back and it uh, isn't too bad right now. You know, it's come back to a point where the commercial limit was a million point one or something, million point two pounds. Mm -hmm. in a season and after that quota was met 
the season, your commercial season was over, you know. You could right. still fish them recreationally, but so that's kind of how it went. And everything's changed a little bit, but uh, we're still fishing the same old places, you know. So true. So true. So it, when when you fish uh, 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 as a charter, you're fishing mainly stripers, is that right? Yeah, primarily my, I'm going to say 95% of my charters are striped bass. Yeah. In regards to striped bass in, in Cape Cod, what what's a, what's a good size fish for you guys? Well, I, it all depends who you talk to. Some people think mm -hmm. that, you know, a 10 pound fish is a good sized fish, but right. biggest one I ever caught was 57 pounds. Oh my. And right. yeah, nowadays if you catch one that's, oh, 40 pounds, 45 pounds, that's a real good fish, you know. That's a good fish yeah. anywhere. I don't care what, where it's caught, you know, it's a real nice striped bass, so. Sure it is. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and and are you fishing primarily what from May until what what the what until October November in your area? Is that about about right? Yeah, yeah, it sounds uh, about right, Ted. I guess. Oh, the smaller fish, the schoolies will move in to some of the stream, you know, the rivers and and creeks and stuff like that around here. Around the first of May, there's fish here, and last year we fished. The bigger fish right up until oh gosh i think it was the third week in october okay and uh, mackerel moved in pretty good two three years ago and and the bass uh like them that's pretty much like bass candy you know right so we've been fishing with them for a couple of years now and, and that's an enjoyable way to fish i really enjoy that and there's so many mackerel that uh you can catch you get two rods out there fishing. I mean, you can you can catch probably sixty mackerel in fifteen minutes. Oh my, really? So, and then, you're, and then you're yeah. live bait. Is that how you do it? Yeah, I got live bait well in the in the boat and get them off the hook and I don't hurt them too bad. And even the I keep the dead ones they even. Uh, because sometimes that's all the stripers want is dead ones. And you can ask me why, but that's a good question. I, I don't know. And sometimes that's all they want is the dead ones. Right, right. I'll be darned. I'll be darned. So in, in regards to the, you know, the, the type of people that you take out fishing, it, it, it sounds like um, that you fish, uh, I mean, if you're fishing live bait and that sort of thing, uh, uh, you're fishing both uh, experienced and novice fishermen that way, aren't you? Oh yeah, mostly uh -huh. novice, because uh -huh. uh, quite often the, the experienced fishermen will have their own boat, you know. So, but uh, some of them are pretty much novice too, you know. And you can't help but see it because, I mean, we're on the water many many days a year, you know. So mm -hmm. it's uh, it's pretty easy to see novice fishermen, and and they're novice because they just don't get out. They don't have the opportunity to get out much. It's not because we're anything special we're just regular folks but we've got a lot of experience on the water that's all you bet well there, there's something to be said for that um and and then uh, besides stripers what else do you fish for dale well when we're fishing stripers there's always not always i shouldn't say always but quite often there's bluefish around 
And uh, once in a while, some people, early in the season in June, we, we, we fish almost the entire month. We'll fish in a place where we can catch scup, black sea bass, and stripers mm-hmm. all in the same spot. But oh, after the first of July, but, you know, the water gets a little bit too warm in that spot. And once it gets up to about 70 degrees, the stripers won't stay in that. And most everybody wants stripers, so we kind of move out of there and come back towards Chatham. And yeah. Now, now how, far, uh, how far out do you go uh, when you're fishing? I would imagine it varies on the time of year. But, I mean, uh, you know, w- will you go out 20 miles, or is it more inshore than that? No, it's all pretty much in short, Ted. Quite often we'll be fishing five or six feet of water and seldom over over 30 and, and always have the land in sight. And, and sometimes we'll be very close to the land. I mean, 50 yards from the beach, you know. So it, it varies a little bit, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that part of the Atlantic that you're in, is is pretty calm and protected, isn't it? Uh, just based on my uh, my limited knowledge of your geographics. Yeah, that all depends on the wind with wind direction. But that time of the year, between May and October, we get an awful lot of southwest and westerly breezes, and it can blow mm-hmm. pretty hard on the southwest wind. And and I got I'll be in the lee somewhere, and. Uh, protected in the lee you know so uh anything southwest westerly is is, is good northeast mm-hmm. is more is more uh more dangerous and you have to be more vigilant about that sure. and try not to get caught out there you know and we, we don't get caught out there very often because we listen to the forecast you know and you got to be aware of it and because you got people on the boat that you know uh like I say, we're novice people, and they don't mm-hmm. want to be out there bouncing around and getting. You're out there to have a good time, not to put in a day of torture, you know. So, so true. Uh, so true. We're pretty careful about when we go out. Yeah, yeah. You know, just uh, changing gears here just a little bit, Dale. If if uh, someone came to you and said, you know, Dale, I'd I'd like to uh, become a, a a charter captain. And fish for stripers in uh, uh, you know off the uh, off of uh, the, the sh- you know the shores of Cape Cod and that sort of thing. What advice would you give someone that wants to get into the business? Well, there's quite a few people around not <laughs> do that. Excuse me. There's quite a few people around that have done that, and there's a lot of charter captains around, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, you have to go to a, some place that'll, you have to take a test from the state to get your right. captain's license, and there are places that will give you a course, uh-huh. or you can do it on your own, but if you do it on your own, you better be have a good a control of your your ability to keep the nose to the grindstone, you know, because mm-hmm. it's it's not a piece of cake. Right. And uh, it's we, we thought it was worthwhile. I, did, I took a course, uh-huh. and uh, uh-huh. you have to buy the books and the whole bit, you know. Right, right. It, it, it's not a gimme. Yeah, 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 good point. And, and you, know, you know, just because you have a six-pack license 
doesn't mean that people will will uh, um, you know flock to you or or uh, call you out of the blue. You've got to market yourself and and uh, you have to to put in your time, don't you, to to get known out there? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I got brochures I I spread around here and there, and my website is is a big help. There's a video on my website that uh, is quite helpful. It's It was taken unbeknownst to me by one of my clients that got on the boat one day, and he had a camera, a video camera, and I didn't even know it. And he took the, the whole day without my knowledge, and about, I don't know, two or three weeks after that charter, I got a CD through the mail, and uh, it was probably two hours or a little, a little more. And he said, put a note in with it that said to go on YouTube and I could find a you know, not quite three minute video that now is on my website. And we were throwing 35 pound stripers back that day. That's wow. a good day. Yeah. That's a darn good we, day. Yeah. Yeah. We were using uh, Menhaden where we call them pogies around here, but uh-huh. I went in that morning with, I think it was 33, 33 swimmers in my bait well, and uh, we had 23 stripers before we got out of there. But we only kept six, I mean eight, because you could, at that time you could keep two per person. Right. And uh, so we had our eight fish limit by you know, before 6 o'clock in the morning. Pretty darn good. And we were out, all 33 baits were gone before before 8.30. Good grief. Heck of a that is amazing. Now, what what's the limit now in in your part of the world? Is it still two fish per per, per person? It's uh, still it's one fish per person now, but you can fish all day long, uh, and you catch and release them. You know, oh, uh, just as long as you're careful and you know do it. You know, keep in mind that uh, you want to see them go back in there in the water alive. Yeah, and because. They'll be there the next time, you know, somebody else or for yourself again. Absolutely. A- absolutely. Yeah. So in, in regards to, you know, fishing uh, um, lots of novices and, and, and uh, providing people with, you know, uh, fishing adventures and, and um, putting a lot of smile on people's faces, is there one particular client or one particular trip that you'll never forget? Well, uh, just last week, I was going through some old booking books that I had uh, kicking around, and I I decided to call some of the people that I had in 2005. I got down as low as that with the books, and and I called one guy, and I I didn't remember what he looked like, but as I was talking to him, he says, we did a charter with you, and... he says we were all fishing with spinning rods and sluggos, and we were catching the heck of a heck out of them. And we, they were keeping score. They were counting all the fish that they caught. And mm-hmm. it was about eleven thirty in the morning. They asked if they could stay until they caught a hundred. Oh my! Really? And that, yeah, and about that time we had like eighty-seven or something like that. And I said I, I don't see why not. It's a real nice day. I'm, I'm good to go, you know. So we stayed right until they caught a hundred, and before the guy caught the hundredth fish, one of his buddies had another fish on, 
And by the time they landed them two, we, we had 101. So that yeah. was the biggest day we've ever caught. But, wow. uh, That's a huge day. Yeah, it was it was a quite a quite a day. They weren't big fish, but we had them up to. Oh, I guess they were all less than twenty pounds, but had some all keepers, pretty much all keepers, you know. Wow, that's amazing. Oh, you know, it. it I, I tell this story a lot, and and it, it seems to be appropriate here that what you do for a living, being a a uh, charter captain or fishing guide, what, whatever the, the title is that, that you want to be known for uh, or the people that remember you for, I mean, you do some really good work out there because, you know, at the, at the end, of, end of someone's life, they're not thinking a whole lot about the business deals that they put together or, you know, the, the, the things that they did in regards to that sort of thing. They're thinking about the fishing trips and those guys are thinking about that 105th day. I mean, and they're still smiling on that. And, uh, yeah. you know, it, it, you, you've got to be commended for putting those, you know, those stories in people's heads and, and putting smiles on their face for the rest of their life. I mean, that's amazing. It is gratifying, Ted. I'll tell you that. It's quite satisfying. I, I really like to see children and women because they get so excited uh -huh. and uh you know they quite often i hear that's the biggest fish i ever caught in my life blah 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 you know and things like that it make you make you feel good you know and uh, it's, it's quite fun yeah so uh, and every you... once in a while you go ahead no go ahead every once in a while you get a, a little extra charge of excitement because was uh, just last year in 2018 we hooked a uh, of course I don't fish for them because my gear is not heavy enough to fish for them to land them but we hooked a uh, mako shark oh and I know it was a mako and I know it was a mako shark because it jumped about six feet in the air and it had probably oh it was probably six and a half seven feet long where three hundred pounds and oh. that's a, a site that you won't forget you know i'll bet not wow yeah wow, that's amazing so so dale over the years who uh, have, have you had um, any tackle manufacturers or or boat manufacturers or or other people that have influenced your career uh just some of the people that i've met when I was fishing, you know, when I first started fishing down here, a lot of those, uh, one, Ray Burnell was his name. Uh, nice, nice guy. Ray's no longer with us, but yeah. during, during slack water quite often, the, the fish just turn right off. And when you're fishing in the, in the bay, you see a lot of boats and Ray and I became good friends and we were just during slack water one day, just, talking that was before i moved down here i never really gave it a lot of thought to, to move down here until i was i happened to have a conversation with ray that day just sitting on our boat wait for the tide to start running again and he said why don't you move down here and, and do this for a living you know and i said wow I'd, he said you're, you're you're good enough to do it don't worry about it you know just do it and i that's what you got me going you know and uh Come home and tell my wife 
that little conversation, and she loved the Cape, and the kids liked it, and so that's pretty much how it got started to move down here, and he was a big influence, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's amazing. That is amazing. That worked out. Yeah. Well, well, Dale, how do people get a hold of you if they'd like to contact you and and uh, and and book a trip with you? <laughs> Well, my probably the best way is uh, on my website, uh-huh. and uh, that that would be uh, I'll spell it because it's a little different. It's Brandy Allen, but it's spelled with an I instead of a Y, and that would be B R A N D I E L L E N Sportfishing dot com. Mm-hmm. So. That's probably the best way, and, and word of mouth is I get an awful lot of repeats and word of mouth customers. You know, they tell people they had a great time, da da da, and they, they tell their relatives, and their relatives tell their friends, and so that works out good for me too. You know, absolutely, absolutely. And I have the brochures that I put out too. Mm-hmm. Well, well, terrific. Now, now, what's a, what's a good telephone number for you, Dale? Well, I got a couple of them. The one I'm speaking on right now is uh, 508-237-9505. And my home phone is 508-945-2227. Very good. And I have on one of them phones. My cell phone is probably the one you can get me at the most, but... Mm-hmm. And we just, uh, when that happens, they just tell me when they want to come, and I'll just look at my booking, and if that date is available, uh, then we just put them down on that date, and they send me a deposit to lock it up. You've got to have a deposit because for some reason, people tend to have excuses or whatever happens, but if uh, you send me a deposit and locks it up, and for some reason, that I have no control of, like the wind. If it's going to blow too hard that day, we'll call it off, and you'll get your deposit back if we cannot reschedule you. But most mm-hmm. of the time, we can reschedule, and mm-hmm. uh, works out good. Oh, that's no, that's that's terrific. Well, thank you so much for taking uh, time out of your day. We're recording this uh, in just the latter part of March of 2019. And you're going to start fishing, what, Dale, about the uh, uh, end of April, 1st of May? Is that right? Yeah, I just got a charter uh, uh, a couple of days ago. Some guys wanted to come fishing with me. And uh, the only time they can get out is right around the first part of May. And I told them the only things available then is schoolies. But they were very mm-hmm. happy to do that. And, and uh, the schoolies will... Uh, quite often swim with what we call holdovers. There'll be holdovers in the rivers around here and the creeks around here, and they'll be here all year long. And occasionally you get some in there that'll hold over, and they'll be, you know, eight or ten pounds, but not a lot of them. Mostly going to be schoolies, you know, three, four, five pounds. Very good. Very good. But you can well, catch Dale, a lot of them, you know. Yeah. Well, Dale, thank you again. It's been a real pleasure. Um, uh, over the, the the last couple months, to be working with you a little bit and and uh, uh, getting to know you, I'm I'm sure our listeners have enjoyed this conversation immensely. And uh, you know, God bless, man. And uh, 
hope you have many, many more years of uh, going out and not making this work. Well, before I quit, Ted, you're going to come down and fish with me, you know. I am. You're, you're exactly right. This is an invitation. <laughs> Give me a well, call, and uh, we'll see if we can fit you in here. I'd love that, Dale. Thank you so much. Okay, Ted. Okay. Take care. Dale,